1: We thrive. I am Sandra Primo, and I'm Tammy Salas, and we are the unruffled.
2: Hey, Sandra. Good morning. So nice to talk to you this
1: morning. It is nice to talk to you this morning. Uh, I love our weekly check-in. I do too. <laughs> what's been going on. I
2: know. It's nice. And I I mean, we haven't been like, I think maybe we text a lot too, but just like, it is nice that I know that you are part of my routine.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Every week I get to chat with you. So
1: yeah. Yeah. And we didn't record last week. We recorded Mm. an intro, but we didn't have, we didn't, we didn't record a podcast last week. And so, yeah, it was, it, there was something of feeling a little missing. (laughs) No, I, it was nice to take the week off from, from the podcast, but
2: really was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we love the podcast, but yeah, it's, it's work and it's time and it's like our schedules and the two of us. And plus, you know, when we have a third person that we have to factor in there that we're interviewing. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit of work. So it was nice for the break, but I'm glad to be back. I'm really I really enjoyed this morning's conversation, so
1: um,
2: it was good. We usually record our intro on a separate day from when we interview somebody.
1: We but- do. Yeah, we do. And we do o- often have things in the can as well, but this is yeah. like... We don't, <laughs> we're just flying by the seat of our pants. We're really. just getting,
2: getting creative with the podcast and making it all work as best, you know, what is it done is better than good. Um, yeah. I hope, I, I hope that everybody thinks this is fantastic because I thought the conversation was awesome.
1: Yeah. But before we
2: get to that, is there anything fun you've been doing? Like, um, last talked to you? I know I just talked to you so. Is there anything but-
1: fun I've been doing since we last spoke? Uh, well, I mentioned it. In our conversation with Amanda, but I did go roller skating the other night, and I had so much freaking fun that I can't stop looking at three hundred dollar skate peak skates. <laughs> um, then Support I, the Patreon account, people. Sandra needs hot. I am pretty pink sure I skates. need and. Right. I'm not kidding. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm like scheming when I'm going to go next. Apparently, um, there is a Nicole Morgan, you know, Nicole yeah. has been on our podcast before and she lives here in Austin and she was doing roller derby, but then she got injured. Poor thing. And cause she's, yeah. I think was really sad about that. But, um, anyway, she was telling me that there's a Tuesday night adult night and um, adult skate night. And anyway, I'm scheming of when the next time I can go skating. Like I even was thinking when she told me that, was like, oh my God, I could go without my kids even. Like it could be <laughs> all about me.
2: <laughs> As it should be, Sandra. What, <laughs> back in the day, like uh, my, my haunting, stomping, rolling grounds was roller city. Oh, and
1: it was freaking on. Yeah, we that's I mean every weekend, right? Yep. I mean every weekend. That's mm-hmm. where I was too. I was at yep. the roller at the skating rink. I was uh, but, it just yeah. feels so good. It I can't it just feels so good to skate. You kind of feel like you're a superstar, right? You really do. Yeah, you really like the do the music and
2: the lights and you're kind of getting into it and you're you're in your own little world. Uh so fun. Okay. I so fun. I said said this to you on Instagram. I haven't said it out loud. We need an unruffled podcast event where we're at a roller, roller a skate.
1: Race. You're right. We let's, really let's, do. Let's plan
2: that. Let's, let's 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 me come to Austin. Let's have some fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I we like can rent. We can rent a table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, can we, we have, can have some orange that? crush? Do they serve? Can we the can order the some drinks yeah. and fry <laughs> and drink drink sugary sodas and skate.
2: And we're, I used to buy candy rings at my roller rink, so I'd want to wear a lot of candy rings and like be looking really cool. Mm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I once yeah. held the title of limbo queen uh, oh, at Roller City. It right. was short lived. I was. Well, they
1: like, they eight. do the they do the limbo, <laughs> limbo at this um, skating rink. Yeah, uh, they do the hokey pokey and the limbo. Uh-huh. I have retired I don't, my crown. Usually, yeah, I don't usually participate in those. I'm just right. like, just, I just want to skate people. Leave me alone. Yeah.
2: I can't limbo like I used to when I was eight, nine, 10,
1: right? I bet you Chloe could though. Probably. Yeah, if I limbo, I'm really, I, that's, I'm That's. i I'm going to get on the, I'm going to be on the ground and I won't be able to get back up. That's right. what's going to happen.
2: <laughs> okay. No limbo at our Unruffled podcast party.
1: No, no we're not going to make <laughs> anyone do that.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, Sonda, that would be super fun.
1: Yeah, I'm telling you, let's, uh, let's really think on this. Let's, let's what do, do? so do much think? joy would be had. Like I, it would be so fun. Right. What do you think people, everybody get out their tall socks. <laughs> I mean, right. We're doing this leg we warmers.
2: This. Yep. Um, <laughs> headbands, like whatever kind of, you know, Olivia Newton, John number you want to put on, I don't care. <laughs> gonna oh and maybe some wrists things like oh yeah oh, I can yeah it all happening. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Hot pink roller skates have got to
2: be yours, Sandra. They
1: just I, be- yeah, I need the skates, uh, yeah, style. Because, yeah. I can't just do the Brown rentals. Uh-uh. I can't, uh-uh. I, yeah, I know. It's like all or nothing. <laughs> we're all, we're all or nothing. right? <laughs> we totally,
2: totally are. Uh, okay. We can just daydream here forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> before we get to the intro, I wanted to just say, I am going to do the 100 day project. I talked about it last week on the show. Uh-huh. If anybody is interested, you can go to the 100 dayprojectorg Um, I picked a project that you inspired me um, very much for this project. Uh, I have a bunch of notebooks mm-hmm. that I take to my meetings or I, take to workshops or I take to events. And I have all these little pearls of wisdom in the notebooks that are just sitting in my studio in a pile that I never go back and reference. And so um, I'm going to start going through those notebooks and putting them on index cards, little little pearls of wisdom, little quotes, little things that I love that I've obviously written down for a reason And I'm going to organize them a little bit like you did. Can you, can you remind me what your
1: categories or how you did that? Um, I, I can't, uh, yes. So, um, yeah, so I went back. So I had, I've, I've said this from the beginning, but journaling like right in the beginning of my, my recovery just totally saved my ass. I couldn't, I couldn't absorb information fast enough. I couldn't write it down fast enough. And uh, about two, after about two years of, of that, pe- keeping a pretty consistent journal, and these were my thoughts. There were things I was hearing on podcasts, things I was hearing in meetings, things I was reading. I would just write it down. And uh, I went back through my journals, and I card – I. I cataloged everything on little color-coded note cards and I have different um each color stood for a different thing and I they're not in front of me I know one was like recovery epiphanies and one was story and one was um I can't I can't remember the the rest of my categories but Mm -hmm. make up your own yeah but I just I just categorized all of my all of, you know, kind of these little pearls from my journals. And I go, I use them all the time. I use them as things to, you know, blog about. I did that for a really long time. Um, like prompts or something. Prim- you know? Exactly. Prompts, yeah. prompts to, to, prompts to write about, prompts to, for conversations. Um, there's, I don't, I'm not one of those people who quotes a lot of, I'm not really good at quoting other people, but there are a few quotes that I do use and you know, those are all there. And so if I can't remember who said that, I, you know, it's written down easily. I can go back and, and refer, you know, because I am brilliant, but right now you know, exactly to so. quote a <laughs> few people. I would like to give them credit. So
2: well, when I'm listening to podcasts and I'm writing these things down or pausing in the car, I'll leave myself a voice memo. And then of the, of the quote that I love, and I'm not a huge quote person either. However, um, yeah, when I'm listening to a podcast, and want to reference back to it or go uh, listen to it again. Anyhow, I'm going to just do this. So I think I have to think of my hashtag. Um, uh, So I will do that. And I will share in the Unruffled Podcast secret Facebook page. So um, started a conversation in there. I will probably do that again this weekend and just see if anybody else is participating. If you are, we do have a hashtag, um, the Unruffled 100. Is it? No, it's Unruffled 100.
1: Yeah. Not the, so it's just hashtag Unruffled 100. Yeah. And
2: that's people that shared last year with the 100 day project. And like I said, I think there's like 600 posts there and that way we can see who's sharing things and doing the project within our community. And it just fosters, I think, community and creativity and getting to know other people that are in our, in our um, Unruffled world. So yeah. So, yeah, that's the only thing that I have really to promote.
1: Uh, the um, only thing I have to promote is, again, I always have stuff up in my marketplace for sale. So, um, yep. you know, if you want to help me get those pink skates, <laughs> go, buy, exactly. go buy a kimono. <laughs> go buy a kimono. Oh, um,
2: <laughs> both of our marketplaces are, if, you're, if you listen to us on SoundCloud, there's links to our websites and our marketplaces, uh-huh. um, to our Patreon account for the show. Yep. And I put up a new I should know this since I'm going to be saying it right now. I put up something new there. Um oh, I put up a link for uh, anyone to rate us on iTunes. Oh good. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud, you can easily get to those links that are in our bio for the show and in our profile for the show. But um you can rate the podcast on iTunes and so I put a link there just to make it easy for you guys. Um same with donating to our Patreon account. There's a link there to make it easy for you guys to do that. That and um in a couple of days I'm flying help. out to Orcas Island so I'm I'm heading out here um so I'm a little nervous about uh, travel but I think I'm kind of like a pro now Sandra so oh yeah um, I will yeah. report back um when we record um
1: and tell you guys how it all went
2: yes return. please
1: do because that's that's going to be quite an adventure to get there right
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of our listeners got a scholarship to go. And so um, I'm excited to meet her and I'll talk about that later. Yeah. So exciting.
1: Yeah. I can't wait to hear all about this. Maybe we could
2: have her. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We'll talk about this later.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's introduce our guest. Yeah. Yeah. So today on the podcast, we have Amanda Kuda, And Amanda, I'll tell you a little bit about Amanda. She lives here in Austin. We are buddies. And um, she is an alcohol-free 30-something living, working, and playing in Austin, Texas. Amanda is a marketer and content creator by day. But her passion is normalizing the alcohol-free lifestyle and teaching ambitious women how choosing sobriety can be a magic bullet to living a more authentic, fulfilling, and joyful life.
2: It was a pleasure to meet her through you on the podcast. I've been following her on Instagram. I was kind of totally checking out her website. Um, our listeners, you guys can find her at um, on Instagram as uh, at authenticallyamanda. And her website is the same, authenticallyamanda.com. And she's got some new things that she's promoting and um, going to be participating in. And she shares that
1: at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Um
2: yeah, I, we had a great conversation about dating in Yeah,
1: we talked about a lot of things we yeah. don't always talk about. We uh, we often seem to have women on here that I don't know kind of look like us. I mean not everyone does, yeah. but but we do. We often have women that are 40 something and you know, they may or may not have kids, may or may not be married, but they often reflect you and mm-hmm. and me and Amanda's she's in her 30s and she's single and um, she has a lot of wisdom to share. She yeah. didn't have a rock bottom and and quit drinking anyway and I think that's a really important conversation. Yeah. Um, I love it.
2: Yeah it was great. It was great to get to know her and to and her path and and definitely tapping into the conversation on dry January Um, we, we touch it all. And so her website is a wealth of information and has a lot of blog posts that dive uh, into this a little bit deeper. So if you like what you're hearing today on the pod, I would highly recommend checking out her website. Yep. All right. Well, enjoy you
1: guys. Bye. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Hey, Amanda. Oh,
0: hello ladies. It's so good to be here talking with you this morning.
1: We are so excited to have you this morning. So I know where you are talking to us from, and so does Tammy, but for our listeners, where on earth are you talking to us from, Amanda?
0: Well, I am coming to you from beautiful Austin, Texas, just like
1: you, Sandra, but we are in different places in the city right now, but it it's sunny and gorgeous outside. It is beautiful this week. You guys, not to rub it in, but this is like <laughs> epic... This is epic weather for Austin, Texas right now. Mm-hmm. What okay. is epic weather since we do the weather report? What is epic weather? Okay. Like? Well, here's what it looks like. It's about 50s overnight and early in the morning in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, the sun comes out and it gets up to almost 80 and it's just gorgeous. So you can like take a run outside in the morning and not sweat your balls off <laughs> And the, your lady balls, of course. And then you can uh, even jump, you know, in the springs later on in the day if, you know, if 68 degree uh, water doesn't scare you.
2: Well, it does scare me and uh, running scares me too. So I'm, very
1: fr- <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm
2: afraid of your city right now.
1: <laughs> well, you know, we are an outdoor city. I, I mean, know. for the most part, we are. Even in the dead of summer when it's, uh, you know, 100 plus degrees outside, you will see hundreds of people uh, running around our lake downtown. Um, it's ca- We call it a lake, but it's really a river, but whatever. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I I was just thinking, how long have you
2: lived there, Amanda?
0: I lived here just over three years. I moved here in fall of 2015.
2: So what prompted that move?
0: I was ready. You know, I had actually never been to Austin. I had been to Texas and through Austin, but I was living in Southwest Missouri. I had grown up in Missouri, lived there my whole life, and really was just feeling very stuck there. Like it, There was something more for me and I didn't know what that was. And by this grand serendipitous scheme that the universe put before me, truly not a card out of place in the system, I found an opportunity in Austin and basically decided to pack up my life, sell my house in Missouri and move down here because I was just ready for a change of pace and some different perspective in life. So I really kind of moved here sight unseen and I'm really glad I did. That is very
1: brave because you had no friends here either.
0: I knew a couple of people, but in terms of a network, absolutely not. No. Wow. See, I want to move to Austin,
2: Amanda. I want to hang out with you. I want to have coffee with (laughs) you. I want to go meet um, with Sandra for like a little creative date in her studio. I want all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, your view looks pretty good as well, Tammy. I keep thinking, oh my gosh, your little studio. I want to come visit that. So maybe you can just have like two little houses.
1: You could swap, yeah. maybe. Right. You guys could do a little swap or
0: something.
2: I wouldn't be bi coastal. What would I be? I would be
1: <laughs> mid yeah, coastal. I don't right. know. Right. You're pretty yeah. landlocked here. So.
2: <laughs> oh, but yes, you guys have a great city. Great city. You do.
1: We do well, Amanda. I love that story, and so taking off from there, why don't you tell our listeners how you came to quitting, giving up alcohol?
0: Yeah. So I'll I'll kind of start with how I started drinking in the first place, which I I started drinking maybe when I was 18. I grew up in a really small town in mid Missouri, and. Um, in the Midwest, there is really this seasonality to drinking culture because you're hunkered down all winter. And so people start drinking because they're bored, they're stuck inside. And especially in a small town, there's not a ton to do. So that just kind of became a commonplace. And then in the summer, everyone is so grateful for the sunshine that they hit the lake with a case of beer. So it's just this ongoing repetitive cycle. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that, but I definitely um, really got lost in that growing up in the Midwest, and specifically, I always feel I feel like as a person and as a young woman, especially, I was kind of ahead of my time and maturity, so I always felt a little different than than my contemporaries around me, and I I really didn't know how to handle that. So one of the ways I found to find um, I was able to find connection with others and kind of. For lack of a better phrase, and even though I know it sounds kind of egocentric to dull myself down to that level because I did feel I was really different, I decided I would start drinking. And that's how I got invited to parties and was able to kind of interact with a social circle that otherwise I felt a little out of place with because I was, you know, this teenage girl having these big thoughts and having these. Big dreams that were a little out of the out of the box for kids my age, so I started drinking at eighteen that carried on through college and definitely established myself as kind of a party girl in college I was um, had a really high tolerance for alcohol and was able to go out to all the parties and meet friends and as a as a young woman who felt kind of gawky and awkward and never never got asked on a date in high school, it was a way to boost my confidence to where I could be, um, feel sexy and and engaging around guys instead of intimidated and and intimidated and awkward. And so that kind of carried on through my twenties and all this to say though, it was very, everything that I was doing was very normal. So I never questioned that I had, um, any sort of a problem or maybe I was drinking too much because everyone around me was drinking that much. And um, in my mid-20s, I got into grad school, and I kind of took a break then because I was also teaching to pay for my grad school. So I was a graduate assistant and really didn't have the opportunity to go out much because I didn't want to intermingle with my students at all. And that was a big risk in the size of town I was living in. So I really kind of, you know, subsided in my drinking a little bit during that time. And then after grad school, when I entered the working world, kind of went right back to it. And Uh, but more on a sophisticated Carrie Bradshaw level where I was doing happy hour and then really just living for the weekend and drinking my way through the weekend, sobering up on, on Sunday and getting back to work on Monday. And when I moved to Austin, I was kind of having this sense that, okay, this isn't for me anymore. I'm going to this city that I perceived was kind of this wellness mega. It's kind of the, you know, of course I had only been in Austin for four hours, but from what I saw, there was all of this opportunity to be really healthy. So I thought, great, this will be an awesome reset for me. I was um, in my late twenties at the time and really felt like this was an opportunity for me to shift gears. But when I got to Austin, I didn't realize that this was a young tech town as much as it is. And being a young tech town, there are a ton of young professionals who get their hands on a lot of money, really young, they don't have a ton of responsibility or a really high level of maturity and there's a lot of opportunity to party and that's what they do. And not knowing really anyone here and wanting to get out and see the city, I naturally fell back into that party crew that I was really comfortable with. And I did that scene for about a year, but the whole time I kept getting these little nudges, these um, little whispers, You know, I would hear mentors like Gabby Bernstein, Brene Brown, um, Wayne Dyer, um, Elena Brower, talk about how they gave up alcohol or substance as part of their journey. And I really just started to feel that really deeply. But I also didn't feel like I was an alcoholic. So I had this... um, kind of turmoil in my mind because it didn't feel authentic for me to go to a meeting and say, hey, I'm Amanda and I'm alco- and I'm an alcoholic, but it also didn't feel authentic for me to keep drinking like I was. And at that time, there was really not a ton of chatter about this middle ground where you can just choose to quit drinking, especially as a young single Professional 30 something. I mean, that's something that I was seeing women who were a little older doing because they had families and that was just part of their progress. And I didn't see a lot of young women doing it. So it looked like social suicide to me to quit drinking. And I tried to moderate, that didn't work so well. And then I finally came to the point where I'm like, you know what? I just have to give this a try. And um, January first, 2017, I started Dry January and never looked back. Mm-hmm. So, how old were you? I was 31 when you quit. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, great. Okay, that gives a good frame of reference for our listeners to know. Okay,
1: awesome. <clears throat> that's so that's interesting, Amanda. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm still getting over a cold. Um, so, y- you you were a, you would call yourself a social drinker, like you didn't ne- you never did. You never bought a bottle of wine and brought it home and drank the whole thing, or did you see yourself moving in that direction ever? Is that something no that ever appealed to you? You know, I I can't say
0: that I was a healthy drinker. I definitely drank in excess, but looking at all of the people around me, I also didn't see that as a a signal of a problem. I, so I, I although I wouldn't say that I had a problem. That I couldn't control, I will say that it was a problem because it was interfering with my life. you know i wasn't I wasn't going home and drinking a bottle of wine. In fact, if I opened a bottle of wine, I'd maybe have a glass um and then the rest of the bottle would go to waste. But come Friday at five o'clock, I was ready to take a load off and go out with my friends and have fun, and that's the only fun that I had come to know
1: right, right. Well, what I find so interesting about your story is that you. you knew yourself right away. You knew yourself enough right away. It sounds like when you were very young, even that you wanted some kind of deeper meaning or some kind of deeper connection um, from life and from your community than just what was on the surface, what was being offered to you. Sure. yeah. And I find that, I find that fascinating. I mean, I, I would say looking back, I think I wanted that as well. But I thought I got there through alcohol. I thought that that's where we got to, you know, that's where I could get in conversations. We could really get down to the nitty gritty um, was when I was in a group of people or just even, you know, one-on-one with another friend and we would drink and commiserate or, you know, then we could start talking about our childhood and, you know, and course there would always be tears and it just felt really authentic. Now, of course, the next day you'd wake up and like, what did we talk about? It seemed like it was an important conversation, but you know, so the connection was false. Right. Yeah. And
0: I would say I actually didn't realize until honestly quite recently that I was drinking to not feel different, which is very different from drinking to try to fit in.
1: Right. That's a good, that's an interesting distinction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I, I um, and I love how you talk about that dilemma that you, that you, almost that you had where you weren't, you, you weren't seeing what you wanted to see reflected into the bigger conversation. And so you, you know, because I know that when we are, sometimes when we're at that point where we're thinking about quitting drinking, we're out there kind of searching for our, our own story or someone that we can identify with. Um, even because a lot of times we know, like you said, in our heart of hearts that it's not right. It's it's not working. What you're doing isn't working at all. But we are looking for somebody to identify with um, and before we make a move.
0: Right. And I really needed, I was looking for someone to give me permission, right? To have someone who looked like me and was in a similar place in life who could say, Hey girl, it's okay. If you do this, you don't have to say you're an alcoholic and go to those meetings where you don't feel like you will, fit in because that message doesn't resonate with you. You also don't have to stay in the party crew. There is another way and they're really, you know, maybe I just didn't look hard enough, but I looked pretty hard and couldn't find someone who really gave gave voice to that conversation. And so here I was, you know, honestly, it probably would have been easier if I could have just said, you know what, I, I am an alcoholic, I can quit because now I have a label, now I have a group to identify with and people, who I can hang out with. And instead I was in this middle road where I felt like, Oh my God, I just spent all of this time reestablishing myself in a city and making friends. And now who will I be? Because those friends won't want to hang out with me. And maybe I won't want to hang out with them yet. I don't feel really comfortable going into this other group. And now it's me alone. And I really feel like it, you took a lot of bravery for me to do that, but as a result, I realized that if no one is ma- is talking in this is in this voice right now, then it is my moral obligation to talk about my experience here because there have to be other people out there who feel the same that just need that mirror, that person to look at and say, "Hey, I resonate with you. We're in the same place in life, and I'm feeling the same way, but I'm also afraid."
2: Well, that's, that's like, in for us in the rooms, it's um, sharing your experience, strength and hope with another person who's suffering with what you have. Yes. Like, it's like, it feels like that's how you spread. That's how you spread the message. And I think it's so powerful. And I don't think you have to be in the rooms just to do it. I think like what you're doing is really beautiful. And, but I wanted to ask, I kind of wanted to go back a tiny bit, just because I, 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 I find it interesting. You have some thoughts about dry January, Right. I do, cause, yeah. Cause you did Dry January, and that was your—that was the way you could jump into the pool, right? Like I'm going to do this thing for 30 days.
0: Oh, for can, sure. It was—it was my yeah. stepping stone. Yeah.
2: So can you share with us? Yeah. What's what was that? You know, that can be a big thing for some people. It's—it's it's not. I—I I, I have opinions on it as well. But I was curious. Can you share with us what your experience was and why you kept going?
0: Yes. So I did. I decided to do Dry January in 2017. I had only just recently within the past couple of years been introduced to the thought and I completed dry January. I got through the end of my 30 days and I kind of had this, you know, this, again, this little voice inside of me that said 30 days is not enough. However, at the beginning of dry January, I had this perception that, oh man, if I can just reset myself, then I'll be on this track where I can moderate and it'll be easy breezy no big deal. I'll just be a casual wine drinker and everything will be cool. That couldn't be further from a lie. So, and and perhaps it works for some people, but that's not my personality type. And I think that it fools a lot of people into thinking that. So I'll get back to that kind of thought frame in a second. But I got to the end of my 30 days and I said, you know, I don't feel that this is representative of what it's supposed to be like and what it would really be like to have alcohol out of my life. So knowing that 90 days is really what it takes to solidify a habit, I said, I'm gonna go 90 days. Knowing that within that 90 days, I had my birthday, I had my first trip out of the country, and I was going to an all inclusive resort and to Cuba, like the land of rum. And I was making this commitment to not drink during this time period. And so I got to the end of 90 days, and it had all been now, will I say emotionally, was there a lot of growth to be done? Absolutely. It was not like, rainbows and unicorns, but I got to the end of 90 days and the not drinking part, the elimination factor of alcohol from my diet was so easy that I decided I don't really need to do this anymore. I honestly feel so great emotionally and physically. I'm just going to kind of ride the rest of the year out and see how I feel then. And I never really put any more time stamps or goals on it, but I just said, I'm going to keep going until I feel one way or the other. And um, kind of interestingly, during that time, I just kept getting all of these signals from the universe that this should be my path. I should kind of stay on this this way of thinking and acting because I had really big work that I needed to do and I knew that I couldn't do it with alcohol in my life. It started to become really clear to me that it was a major block to everything that I wanted to do. So Mm -hmm. in terms of dry January... Um, If you're ready for me to go back to that, my thoughts, even though it was incredibly helpful for me, it was definitely a jumping off point into where I'm at today. And it was a great way to go along with a societal norm and have a conversation starter for why I wasn't drinking. It really provided a great buffering system for me. And I think that it can do that for so many people. It's a really powerful mechanism in that way. But on the bigger scale, I think the dry January is really dangerous for us because it is a, one of the millions of bogus cleanses we are fed that tell us as a society, hey, if you can cleanse your body of this thing for 30 days, however long, you'll feel better and you'll have some sort of magical result. And truly number one, you're not going to feel the real effects of what it's like to have alcohol out of your system in just 30 days, because that stuff is stuck in your body. It is toxic. It is in all of your organs. You are getting rid of that in three days, especially if you're a fairly moderate drinker. And I assume anyone who's doing a dry cleanse of any kind, is probably pretty moderate. You're not just a casual champagne at a, you know, a wedding type person. Right.
1: Nobody that even if even entertains a dry January. They're not the people that are having a glass of wine, you know, once a month.
0: Right. You definitely have a pretty substantial habit if you're trying to cut something out of your diet. And I think that the most dangerous part of it is though is mentally we tell ourselves if I can give this up for 30 days, then I don't have a problem. And Then everything's okay. Everything's golden. It it pulls people away from acknowledging that perhaps this is not serving me. Perhaps there is another way because the ability to get rid of something for a short-term painless amount of time, you can do anything for 30 days. Um, And just your ability to do that reinforces, hey, what I'm doing is absolutely normal. Permission to go back to my old ways because I'm not an alcoholic. I quit for 30 days. I can dive right
1: back in there. I think it's really harmful. Yeah. I know a lot of people actually who approach dry January in just that fashion. Yes, (laughs) And yeah, you are so right. Like there almost should be a disclaimer at the end that says, if you are a person that feels like you need to do a dry January, perhaps you should look at the other 11 months of the year as well. absolutely like really examine your intentions
2: totally yeah i've never done a dry january but i i resist the notion that it, that it's that easy you know and i think that i just i would not i never it didn't occur to me to ever do a dry january i know that stuff was probably going on um but i, I was in such pain in that january i quit drinking on february 3rd so that january was a lot of things and i was thinking about quitting drinking and but i was not thinking about just doing it for 30 days. Sure. It, didn't, it didn't enter the, that for me, but, um, I think again, like many things, um, obviously for you, it, it did work because you gave it more thought and you kind of could see down the line and it prompted you to start living in a different way. Um, but I know that that that's kind of probably not the norm.
0: No, definitely not. And I, I hope someday it is. Um, yeah. but right now it's, it's definitely used for a, a pat on the back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. See, it's not that bad. And I don't know, that's a big story. I mean, I know everybody has their own story. So, um, you know, people can, who do that and think that's great. That's, you know, I think that's very much part of being sober curious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it probably does have, um, some importance for somebody that's kind of just investigating things and thinking like, oh, you know, it's good that they're at least thinking about it, but yeah, to think that you're done after 30 days and you can get back to drinking a neurotoxin, Um, you know,
1: yay! No, (laughs) it's not (laughs) the prize at the end. We know that, right? And I never did a dry January either. But you know, of course, I've had two kids, and I didn't. I didn't drink while I was pregnant, both times. I didn't really even have an urge to drink. In fact, I was part of being pregnant for me was a relief that I got to take a break from drinking, and then no one would question me. But I, I, but I did use those times too as sort of, to sort of validate my drinking when I started again, like, obviously mm-hmm. I don't have a problem. I quit drinking for, you know, 11 months or however long it was 10 months. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did the same thing. I just never did a dry January either. Um, you know, I, in fact, <laughs> in fact, I remember friends that did do dry Januarys. Um, I mean, they haven't been around forever. At least I, they hadn't been on my radar, but, um, but the couple of years before I got sober, I remember friends doing dry Januaries and me thinking, whatever, I'll meet you on the other side. Hi, <laughs> margarita. <laughs> um, you yeah. know. You got to be ready for
2: that. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like, but it's, Amanda, it sounds like it, you were and that you were intentional and that you wanted um, more. I mean, because when I was your age, I was, I was, I owned a wine bar and was like, it's on like, let's go. That's how I thought social, uh, being social and being connected and creating community is what I would always say. Oh, I'm creating community. Yeah. I, I, to some degree that's, yeah, we did some pancake fundraisers and things like that and donated money from an art show to the community, but really it was all centered around, uh, drinking. And so right. yeah, I think, I think what, um, what I wanted to ask too, which I know we're probably going to get to, maybe Sandra has another question about this, but this is the time you're in Austin, new city, um, two years sober now, right? Just yes. over two years. Um, how does that work when you're single
1: and wanting to date? You know what does yeah, that look like? like yeah, like how how did you start navigating your social circles again? You know, once you had decided that you were done with drinking, how did, how did you do that? What did it look like? Yeah. You know, it's been a journey and it's
0: definitely shifted along the way in terms of just social relationships. I really tried to not pull away a hundred percent from the friendships that I had already formed and truly just without my, my doing some of that shifted on its own. I started having friends reach out and they wanted to go do outdoor activities here And I don't know if we had done that as a group before and I just didn't notice, but it seemed like it was a new thing we were exploring without me even being the instigator. And then some of my friends would start joining me at the gym in the morning. And even though we weren't talking during that time, having that physical closeness and presence really kind of gave me the satisfaction of a community with, with not only the other people there, but with my, with my friend group that I had already established. And while now they're, you know, there's definitely some social differences. I feel lucky in that I was able to keep those friends and they've actually been really, really accommodating. Any party or gathering or thing that we go to, they always make sure that there is, you know, we love Topo Chico, sparkling water here in Austin. So they always make sure that there's something there for me to have to feel comfortable, which I think is really sweet because that's really them going above and beyond. But also with that, I have had to I've experienced a shift where I do want to be around people who are like-minded and like living. And so, you know, I'm really grateful. I know that there's kind of, I think it's kind of a thing to stalk stalk Sandra um, and (laughs) with her and she's a really great connector. And that's how I've um, met a lot of other like-minded women here in Austin, which is awesome. She's very stalkable. (laughs) Just
2: FYI, people.
0: Get out there and stalk Sandra. It's
2: a <laughs> <feeling>. <laughs> <laughs> so you're finding you're but, you know you're I, branching out more. You're you're feeling more comfortable. You stalk Sandra. A yes, little I'm bit branching out. Together.
0: I'm willing. Yeah, I'm willing to step outside of of my my current circle and and you know I realize at first I was really adverse to. Um, trying to, you know, integrating myself into the recovery community because I was still feeling a little anxious and other than, and kind of imposter syndrome is what I was feeling. So I, I'm i like, well, I want to be your friend, but I'm not exactly like you. And I don't, you know, there was just some navigating to do, but finally I'm just like, well, screw it. I just need friends. And if there's differences, we'll sort through them and we'll figure it out. But at least I know that these people want to have fun without alcohol and that's what I'm down to do. So, um, making friends has been a really uplifting and enlightening experience. I really, um, appreciated the opportunity to do that, but, but dating, sorry, my dog wanted to chime in there a little bit (laughs) too. Um, dating has been a real, journey. And that's something I've started to talk about quite a bit more because the more women I talk to, the more that I find that the fact that they're single and they want to date and they feel that dating is commonly, well, they know that dating is commonly associated with meeting for drinks and you needing that little bit of liquid courage to give you a boost to meet up with a stranger. Um, that has been a really new territory to, territory to navigate. And I am definitely doing a lot of talking about that right now because I've um, done a lot of experiments and really found what works for me and am excited to share that with others.
1: Well, why don't you talk about that? What have you done? I mean, I have read your latest blog post, which was called Why Every Single Woman Should Date Herself, and that was really great. That was so good. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and tell our listeners kind of what you did because you sort of pulled back, right? Oh, certainly. And it was necessary. You know, I had this
0: like myth in my head that, oh, I'm free of alcohol. Now I can just get back at life. But there really needed to be this healing period of getting to know myself and who I was without alcohol and being able, really being able to answer the question, tell me about yourself. Because before, tell me about yourself was either tell me about your work or what you like to do. And I didn't know what I like to do because I had spent all my free time drinking or recovering from drinking. So it really took some time for me to sit with myself, get super uncomfortable with, you know, just being with my emotions and my thoughts and my feelings. And I really took a long time to date myself. I would say at least 90 days, um, but then off and on intermittently. But, you know, dating has been really interesting because now there's dating apps and that's just a whole new situation to navigate and I really had to test the waters navigating that as a sober person, because there's just so many little intricacies in online or app-based dating as it is, and throwing another kind of, um, I would like wrench in the plan, I guess, of, hey, you want to meet for drinks? Well, guess what? I don't drink anymore. What? And you're real upfront about that. I, I had to be because at first I wasn't, and I'll tell the story of my first, um, my first sober date, because I think it was just, a a, a it was a teacher for me. Let me just say that I, <laughs> I, um, I decided, well, I'll just get out there. No big deal. I'll go on a date. I won't mention that I'm not drinking and it'll, it'll just be fine. So I show up to the date and um the guy says, "Hey, just get whatever you want." So I order a sparkling water and we sit down and he looks at the sparkling water and he looks at me and he says, "Oh. You don't drink?" And <laughs> here I'm kind of like, "Uh, uh-uh, I did not plan for this conversation very well." And then he proceeded to say, "What are you like super religious or something?" Oh my god. <laughs> and I'm just like frozen and Had I had my wits about me, I would have just, I wish I would have just slipped into the Southern draw and been like, well, yes, I am. Right. I was just going to say, say, as a matter of fact, fact,
1: the word, we talk uh, about Jesus. Yes.
0: I wish I would have been faster (laughs) on my feet, but instead I just said, you know, I, I don't drink right now. And I went through that elevator pitch. Um, Luckily I was still kind of new, so I could say I don't drink right now. And that was a nice buffer for me, but that was a big lesson that You have to announce this before you go on a date. Don't say that you'll meet up for drinks if you're not drinking and find a way to explain this that sounds um, genuine and authentic to you because the other problem is, as shitty as it sounds, that if you just put straight up sober in your profile, first of all, profiles are limited in space and that takes up a lot of characters that you (laughs) you don't need to use there. But the stigma behind the word sober is automatically read as broken or project. And that's terrible. But even I would have read it as that on someone else's profile. And you really need more space and more context to explain why you've made this choice because of the stigma that we've placed on it, on, on this word and on this label. And so I really just finesse the process of, hey, how can I share this with someone without it making without making it sound like I'm a drag or I'm boring or I'm a prude and um, or I'm super religious. And I, I really worked through that a lot and feel like I've come up with some of the best ways to do that and can say that as a sober woman dating that I'm probably, I think that most of the guys I've been on dates with, even though it didn't work out for whatever reason, That we weren't a match, that they would say that those sober dates were some of the best dates that they had, and I really just feel good about that. I feel like I am a confident from a girl who did not go on a single date in high school, and really is just just started to learn how to date in her thirties. I feel like I'm kind of nailing it. So it it's just a really good feeling to have gone through all of that and navigated those situations, and now know what I'm doing and feel confident of myself as a person.
1: Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced almost two years' worth of content and have over half a million downloads. We can hardly believe it.
2: If you like what you've been hearing and appreciate our weekly consistency, you can be a patron of this show for as little as a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to patreon.com backslash theunruffledpodcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. Well, it's like, I think, yeah, the stigma attached to all of the sober recovery, alcoholic, whatever, whatever the term is, it's like, um, you know, sobriety is my superpower now. Yes. And I can see that in other women and other people. And it, and it gives me, I think I would, I had that, that thought process too. when I used to own my wine bar. I only knew one sober person. Um, I'm sure I knew more that i didn't that I didn't know that they were sober, but one person that was out loud about it, and I have to be really honest here, I didn't want to hang out with that person, yeah, because I well, made because all these strange. assumptions,
0: yes, and it's also it's also a reflection for the internal discomfort that you feel, and I knew Absolutely. I knew that going into it that it would make a lot of people uncomfortable wow. uh, because it would bring up their insecurities <laughs> and um you know the one and and another thing that I really realize, I know that a lot of people are sensitive um to explain why they drink because you know it's no one's business why or why they don't drink, rather. It's no one's business what you choose to and choose not to do. But I am very adamant that is my responsibility to talk about why I don't drink. It's never my responsibility to preach. I'm not here to shove my opinions down someone's throat, but I'm here to share. Um if someone asks and someone is curious, I think that's my responsibility. But I also realize in going into dating that I struggled as a non-drinker to have the words to explain why I was a non-drinker. So I sure as hell shouldn't expect a guy who hasn't even begun to go down this road to have the words to ask the right questions and have a conversation. It's an intimidating conversation. So I really embrace the fact that I needed to be comfortable with being a teacher in this situation, to where I wasn't just getting pissed at people because they didn't know how to have a conversation with me, I had to teach them to have that conversation. And I think that's um, just a really important responsibility that I felt maybe it's going the extra mile, but I, I felt that was what I needed to do in approaching the dating world again.
1: Wow. <clears throat> There's just so much there that is so important. You know, I say this all the time, but when I switched my thinking from, I don't get to drink to, I don't have to drink. That's Mm -hmm. when I started thriving in sobriety. And, and it's the thing that gave me, like you said, the superpower or the confidence to, to walk into a room and say, I don't have to drink. You know, not that I was even, um, you know, saying it in a patronizing way towards anyone else. It was just, it was all about me. And it was my, that was my confidence booster. And that was the thing that, that made me, you're right, not feel broken. And I I think that it's, but it's a new way. It's almost like a new way of thinking about sobriety, I think. Totally. Um, Yeah. Because I see, uh, and I'm not trying to pass any sort of judgment whatsoever. But, um, you know, I think that there was a reason why I would look at people that, that I knew that were sober. Um, uh, and I didn't want to have anything to do with them. It's back then, you know, before I got sober and it was because they didn't really have anything I wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but, um, now I, I see a lot of women that think kind of the way that we do, they're confident, they're thriving in sobriety. And I think that um I know that we have a lot that other that other women want. Absolutely. Yes. And I think it's just paradigm change. shift. Yes. It's it's a total paradigm shift.
2: Well when you were saying earlier, Amanda, that like you looked at women like Gabby Bernstein, um So she, she's, um, um, she, I think she's identified. She does the 12 steps. Yes. Did that ever, did that ever clue in like, there's someone that has
0: maybe what I want and what is, what has she done? Oh, definitely. You know, I, um, study, I've studied under Gabby and done workshops with her several times. And right before I started, I decided to get, um, get sober. I had done this workshop with her where, um, I, I was in a room full of women who had had all of this trauma and I started to kind of freak out because I didn't feel the same trauma that they had. I mean, they had gone through very, very terrible things. And I, but again, it made me feel other than, because mm. I thought, Oh shit. Number one, either I haven't experienced trauma. What's wrong with me? Or number two, I've experienced trauma and I don't remember it. When will I remember it? And I, 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 you know, was just maybe in denial. I don't know at that point that I could step into my own and, and, um, really though women like Gabby have been such an inspiration for me, but I will tell you the moment that I remember a hundred percent that I wasn't going to drink anymore. Um, because it's not even related to alcohol. Really. I was listening to, um, home podcast with Holly and Laura when it was still on, and they were interviewing um, Elena Brower and um, she has this great um, journal and podcast now called Practice You if you're not familiar with her and she had stopped drinking but then she was like really heavily smoking pot which was never a thing for me and I was in my shower and she repeated a line that Gabby Bernstein said to her and it was something to the effect of you know Elena I see you doing really big things in this world um, but I can't see you doing it if you're smoking smoking you're I just remember having this like punch in my stomach and kind of dropping to my knees in the shower and feeling like those words so truly like Gabby speaking to me through Elena, through this podcast, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, that I am supposed to do big things in this world and I can't do it if I ever go back to the way that I was. It's just those creative pathways won't be there. Those um, That inspiration, that voice that you have that you're supposed to share with others will not be accessible if you dull it down any longer. And so I said to myself in that moment, like, this is it. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm turning back. And Mm -hmm. it was just like, this really defining cool moment for me. Um,
2: well, that's like, um, I mean, so you had this moment and it's like, you were honest with yourself, open-minded, willing, like I'm going to change. Yes, And I think, um, lately I've been thinking about those, those words being honest, open-minded and willing and having willingness. Like you can have all those things, but like the kryptonite is, is like, you have to be ready. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like in your shower moment, right? Like you could, you could, that was it. We can think these things, which I think is great. And to have all these, um, sober people kind of going before us now and who are coming in and recovering out loud so that it doesn't seem so shameful. It's like, however you get here, whatever modality, whatever place you are on the spectrum, like step into your greatness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's like, I can't ever, I don't want to ever go back. I was right. so dull.
1: <clears throat> and I think a key component to that too is 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 understanding that you are worthy of that greatness. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And that I think where I was trying to wrap around to when I was telling you about this retreat with um that I went to with Gabby. And you I heard about all of these women's trauma, but really those were were also their rock bottoms, the shittiest, most awful times of their life. And I kind of had this you know, I haven't hit a rock bottom. Like I've had lots of little, like I'm with a little T, but I've never had this rock bottom. So is there a reason to change? And you know, the biggest message is you don't have to hit rock bottom. That's not some sort of rite of passage for you to make a change in your life. I'm so grateful that I made the decision, even though it's been awkward, even though it's been, there have been times where I felt out of place or before my time. I'm so glad I made that decision in my thirties because there's so much more Life for me to live at this capacity that I'm at now. It's so joyful and so creative and so inspiring, full of possibility that I didn't have to wait until I had a midlife crisis or a trauma with a big T or, you know, a breakdown to experience what I'm experiencing now. And I'm just so grateful for that.
1: Yeah, it's the best message, really. It's a message that I wish I would have heard. You know, I, I don't know if I. I'm sure it was told to me. I just didn't hear it, but it's, it's really the best message is you can run a cost analysis any old time in your life (laughs) and say, what is this costing me? Even if it's just on the weekends and you know, it's, it's a little bit of a hangover still, what is this costing me? You can run that cost analysis anytime. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What your big ideas, you can't get them out there in the
1: world if you're recovering and
2: well, I think thinking, right? Like my, I was in art class yesterday and my professor was like, you overthink every move when I was drawing. (laughs) And I was like, girl, you don't have no idea. (laughs) So (laughs) overthinking it, like overthinking has been a thing, right? So if we keep having to overthink and think we need a bottom and think that we need to have, you know, we don't have these traumas or whatever it is, this voice that's inside of us is busy. And Amanda, I... I liked when you were talking a little bit, like thinking about moderating earlier, and moderation was this game that kept my brain really busy. Mm-hmm. And even thinking about did I have a bottom? Like the year before I quit drinking, my head was on fire, right? Thinking, thinking, overthinking. And when I finally made the decision, there was still a lot of thinking going on for sure. I'm not. There's no doubt about that. But something was removed. Not just the alcohol. It was like this feeling of was like I'm on this path now.
1: And that felt good to at least um, commit to it. Right. Because when you take it off the table as an option, it's not even an option. It's off the table. You're not wrestling with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, your your mind can only think so many thoughts in a day. And that's
0: why really successful entrepreneurs wear the same outfit every day because you eliminate that, you know, asinine thought that you don't have to deal with anymore. And deciding not to moderate and deciding just to say no is another one of those stupid, silly decision that we don't even have to worry about anymore. I don't have to think that thought because the answer is no. Right. I was chatting with a sober friend, um,
2: last week and we were talking about the work of Holly Whitaker at hip sobriety. Mm -hmm. And she, we were talking about, um, you know, day ones and starting over and there's, you know, there's people have different opinions about whether you, you start at day one or that you keep all the days that you've been sober and they're accumulating. So we were kind of going back and forth about that. Um, But the one thing I said, I said, well, yeah, Holly does say that, that you keep all your days. And I said, but Holly also has tattooed on her body. And it's something that I have in my studio written down that I illustrated the acronym NQTD. And she was like, well, what is, I've never heard that. What, What, what does she say? And I said, she says, never question the decision. Yes. Because you'll just overthink it, you know, just don't, you made the decision and then you move on. And mm-hmm. again, it's not as simple as I know there's, you know, some people are physically addicted. Some people um, have a different story, but if you don't question it, like this is just who I am now. That feels like it just takes away a lot of thinking. A lot of brain space is cleared up when you just don't question it.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sandra, do you have any place you want to shift here? Well, I do want to talk quickly about um, because I want you to talk about your website too. But before that, I know that physical fitness is a really big part of your lifestyle, and um, I have a feeling you don't just do it for vanity's sake um, because you look, you do look damn good, girl. I'm not questioning that, (laughs) but. (laughs) <laughs> so that part is working, even if that's the only reason you do it. But I imagine that's not the only reason you do it. And um, I know that, uh, you know, uh, there's there seems like there's two camps in, in women in recovery. Those are the people that that utilize exercise and then those that don't. And I know that, you know, the ones that utilize it are try- always trying to convince the ones that don't, that they should, <laughs> and, you know, and then it becomes another one of those things that you feel like you should do. But what does yeah. it do for you, Amanda? Well, what first of all, I will never try to you. convince
0: anyone. I'm not, <laughs> not here to sell. I'm just here to, Hey, if you want to come with me, I invite you come and enjoy a workout with me. A, you know, I think that what a workout has what working out has offered me. I go every morning, um, Monday through Friday at five thirty AM, I get up and go. And it is a, several things for me. And I'll kind of, I'll touch on this later too, but really it is one, my grounding mechanism. It is what keeps me centered. And it is the one thing that I know that I can keep consistent in my day. And if everything goes to shit after 6.30, at least I got up and did my thing for me. And there was no, nobody else is up at the crack of dawn to distract me. So I go, the only person who can distract me from that is myself. So I get up and go and it really grounds me. And what I found is that that is the mechanism that also helps me have energy all day Um, feel productive and um, creative. If I don't go, then I just feel like a lazy sloth and a blob and not in like a, oh, Amanda, you're such a lazy fat ass. Not in that way, but in a physical, I don't have the same energy that and and mental capacity and creativity that I have if I don't get up and do rigorous movement. Not for me. um, I love yoga, but I can't I don't do yoga often in the morning because it doesn't offer me that same mental stimulation that I do a, usually like a strength based workout in the morning and a a group training gym here in Austin. And I find that that specific type of rigorous challenge just really stimulates my body, but also it gives me that sense of community. And I will say you i barely talk we barely talk during the workouts that we do the other people at the gym my friends who are there there's not a lot of time for chit chat and conversation but there's something about the energy of people who choose to get up and go to the gym that early um for me it's really different than any other time of the day too there's something about the energy that those people have like, You know, they're not there to screw around. They're there because they want to be. And it's just something about like infusing my body with good energy too from that specific group of people is just really important to me.
1: That's a great, that's a great selling point.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you want to feel good energy and have your head in the right place all day, it's a great tool to do it. And I even find that, you know, I had tried for a while not to work on the workout on the weekends, but I get up and do my writing on the weekends a lot for my blog. And, um, if I don't get up and get my body moving pretty aggressively, my mind just isn't thinking as fast and Mm -hmm. it's really a Kickstarter for me. So, um, yeah, it's just a really great tool. It
1: elevates your consciousness. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many days a week do you do that, Amanda?
0: So I go, pretty religiously Monday through Friday in the mornings. And then if I'm getting up to write, I try to go also Saturday morning. Um, but the other great thing is it sounds like, oh my gosh, she's in the gym every day. That's crazy. Your body needs time to recover. And if I was filling my body with booze, I need time to recover because my muscles are just, but without alcohol in my system, my body recovers so fast and my energy is just so great. And I feel healthy and, well, that it doesn't bother me or my body to get up and do that. I could do it seven days a week and it would probably be fine because everything else about my body is so healthy without alcohol in there.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, I think having a routine is so, it's been super important to me in my recovery. So I think for people who are listening, like if that's exercise or if that's um you know, hitting meetings, if that is uh, making art or if that is writing in the morning, like whatever it, is, or if that's yoga at home or whatever that is, it seems like once I got um, sober, I wanted to like, I wanted to start bringing in the things that I keep talking about that I love that make me feel good, you know, and like creating a routine or a ritual in the mornings has been, you know, that's where I jump off from for the whole day. Like you said, yes. it kind of feeds you, right?
0: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I have not been exercising in sobriety, I will tell you that, Amanda. I think
0: everyone has what works for them.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I I do. I'm with you, Amanda. I'm not as um probably disciplined as you are every, you know, morning at five o'clock. Although that sounds very, very uh it's I like the way a it lot. sounds. <laughs> yes. yeah, I, like, I like the way it sounds and I know if I did that consistently every morning at five, I would feel I would reap the benefits for sure. But um but I, you know, I I definitely move my body every day and and a lot of times I like to be outside. That's yes. my that's what fills me up. I there's something about just being um it, like just outside. Well, the
0: sunshine, the city is so great here. There's, if I could just sit outside all day, I
1: totally would. Yes. I like to be in the sunshine. I like, um, I like to hike amongst the trees, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I just, I, I yearn to be outside. And so that's where I usually get my exercise. And so it's like, however you do it, but, but you're right. There is something about, it does lift your consciousness. It does, uh, it does give you more energy in it. And it, and it, and it seems like because you're expending energy um, it doesn't, that doesn't seem like it would be the case, but it does, it does. It kind of makes your day a little more expansive. Yes. I'm like,
2: I'm like staring out the window going, that sounds really good. I like <laughs> it. I like what you girls are saying. And I'm just going to think on that. I, I think for me, part of my recovery is just like, it's a slow evolution and I keep learning from everyone. And so I like hearing what you have to say about this, Amanda. And I do. I like the idea of 5:30 in the morning hitting the gym. Um, I live in the country. I live about 20 minutes away from a gym. Um, but let's be honest. I'm not. I'm not going to the funky gym that um, has the broken sauna and the thing in town. Like I'm not.
0: Gonna... <laughs> I, I keep <laughs> no, blaming. The, I keep blaming find, the gym. You have but... to find a workout and a place, <laughs> a community that jives with you too. I, you know, it's all about like what is your soulmate situation for movement and mine has shifted every now and then, but right now it is strength training. And so that's what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. A lot of, sometimes those things are for a season and then you move on to something else. Like, you know, I talked about swimming earlier, but really like, I really do love to jump into Barton Springs and swim and I'm not even a great swimmer. Um, but I can still tire myself out doing that. And you know, but I don't do it in the winter either. And I roller skated the other night and I'm just I like, why it. don't I do this more often? Because it's a really good workout. A and B, it's just so damn fun. Okay. So, I love roller skating. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Come to Austin, we'll go on roller skating. We trip are gonna today. definitely go roller skating. And and it is a total workout. There was um <laughs> I told this really quick. There were like two older gentlemen that were just ripping it up. I, and I didn't see a lot of women out there my age, but there were these two older men. They were older than me and they were such good roller skaters. I was having some major roller skating
0: out there that people who are definitely there all the time. Sure.
1: Regulars. Yeah, for sure. It was, and it's just so fun. Oh God. Anyway, but yes, I love everything that you're saying about this and, and I, you know, again, it's just one of those things that, you know, there are a lot of things that make me feel good and yet I don't do them all the time. And so, and I always have to question that. Why don't you do that all the time, Sandra? Like, you know, meditate and.
0: <laughs> oh, same here. <laughs> I love meditation. meditation but do
1: you I always <laughs> Yes, we are
2: works in progress. That is what we are. So yes, we are. Yes, we um, are. I have a question. I, Cause I, on your website, um, Amanda when I was stalking you, um, you said it's given, important to note. I wanted to talk about you, what you do for a living and that you're not a recovery coach. Yes. Um, but can you explain to our listeners what kind of coach you are and why you make that distinction that you're not a recovery coach?
0: Yes. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I am i i do not have the tools or the experience personally or professionally to, you know, I can hold space, but not at, I'm not best served holding space for someone who needs traditional recovery. Um, My zone of genius is working with um, specifically 30 something millennial women who kind of look like they have it all together on the outside, but are feeling like something is missing on the inside. And that's really where I found myself and know that I've, gathered tools and the expertise and hundreds of hours of training and coaching certifications and all of those things we do. And we're always trying to improve ourselves to prepare myself to be a guide for other women who are young, professional, successful, really out there killing it, but really feel like there's this other void in their life, um, specifically if they've fallen into the trap of drinking culture. And while I don't have to work with women who who don't want to drink, that really is one of the requirements to work with me is that you have to be, um, you have to be curious and you have to be you know, sober curious and you have to be willing to take alcohol out of your life for a trial period. So we can work on these other things because all of that, all of the personal growth and all of those things that sound really great, you can't drink and do that at the same time. It's just not, um, not my belief that that can happen. So yeah, I really focus on working with those millennial women who just from the outside look like everything's super shiny. And then on the inside are feeling kind of dull.
2: I like that. That's going to help someone. Well, having that as like a, you know, prerequisite for working with you, right? Like you're going to need to remove this for a while. So then let's get right. down to business. Yes, and I love it. I wish, some, I wish that was available for me. I, I have to say, I don't, I can't, who knows? I can't go back in time to say what I would have done, but the fact that we're talking about this and that this is part of the conversation now. Um, and it's really just happened in the last few years. It feels like, you know, um, since I got sober, maybe the last three, like it's really, it's really picking up steam.
0: Yes. And, um,
2: and I appreciate that you're doing that and your your website is so gorgeous. I have to ask you did you make your website or did somebody do that for you? I made it.
1: It's a great, yeah. Oh, myself. It's oh, beautiful. I love it. When well, and you the, got professional photos too, and that I do. Great. I have a
0: photographer who I worked with, who's a who's a very close friend and really talented photographer here in Austin. Check that you can find her information in my profile if anyone wants to look at her. But I don't have an Instagram husband to take pictures of me, and <laughs> yeah, I don't and either. A tripod. So I'm in like, <laughs> money. I just have to have someone do this for me, and she did a great job and really. Um, I love her to death. I need well, Sandra
2: to just have coffee with me with her camera. Yeah, Sandra, why? Yes, you? i I'm a paparazzi.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, and it just it just really you're like it's all clean and your vision is very clear and um, yeah. your message is clear and I I don't know if I was a thirty something young woman I would definitely want what you have, Amanda, for sure. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I like how you sign your things. Um, is that how you came up authentically, Amanda, when you sign off on things? Is that
1: you feel like your
0: most authentic self? Yeah. And I was covering that up for so long and now I know who she is and she's here and she's ready to shout it from the rooftops. Mm, I love that.
2: Yeah. I love that. Sandra, where do you want to go from
1: here? Do you want Amanda to promote some things? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you, um, Why don't you talk about, I know that you're working on a program or you have finished up a program that you're ready to offer. So why don't you talk a little bit about that and then we'll get to your three things. Yes.
0: So I, this is so weird to even say that this is what my program is right now, because if you would have asked Amanda four years ago, if she would ever be talking about being alcohol free and then offering dating advice, she <laughs> would have laughed in your face. <laughs> but the more I am on the phone providing coaching services and doing coaching calls with women. The thing they want to know most about is having a romantic life and how you do that without alcohol, how you navigate dating apps, how you navigate dating in general. And I have really felt called to share my experience and kind of offer some shortcuts there. So you don't have to face the stumbling blocks that I went through. And so what I'm releasing in a couple of weeks is a um, mindful dating masterclass. And it's really great for Anyone who is really wanting to take a mind, more mindful approach to dating, they're tired of dating the wrong guys, getting the Peter Pan types, all of that. But it does take a focus of if you want to be mindful, then you have to have your full mind mental capacity. And that has to do with not drinking. So it really would be great for anyone, but specifically formatted with some modules and um, and tips for non-drinkers. And before that, I am doing a free um, just like mini masterclass um, on a, on Saturday, April 6th, and I will, this will all be in the link, but it's um, how to make a profile that attracts a guy that actually wants to have a relationship with you. And so I will be giving my pro tips for just building out your dating profile in a mindful way. And you can find all of that at
1: authenticallyamanda.com slash mindful dating. That's very cool. Now, Amanda, do you only, I mean, I know that you probably, you know, don't, ever cut somebody off because of their age. And I know that you probably, I, I mean, I'm assuming you're more comfortable working with women that you would consider millennials or women in their thirties, but we have a lot of women that listen that are single and in their forties. Do you oh, sure. work with women as, in their forties as well? or Absolutely. I yeah. target myself towards people, um, in my
0: own age range, but you know, as I said, I've always been a woman, ahead of my time. I've always been like older mentally for my age. So a ton of my friends and all of the women's groups that I'm in are all women in their forties. And I love, I feel a lot of commonality with those women as well and love working with them too. So yeah, you don't have to be in your thirties. I love everyone and feel like the tips that I offer are tangible.
1: Right. Right. Cause dating is sort of a universal issue. Oh, <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and I would all, have and- all the help we can get.
2: And yeah, and dating in this day and age, I would have zero idea about all these dating apps and things like I would be clueless. So yeah, that's, that's probably really helpful for someone who's just probably recently divorced, getting back out there again, newly sober, trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've got the shortcuts. And um,
0: is there anything that we've missed here, Amanda, that you want to share that maybe we didn't hit? No, I think, man, we just like really ran the gamut here. So I would just love to connect with anyone though. Um, My Instagram is authentically Amanda and I hang out there most of the time. So
1: would love to connect with any new friendly faces there.
2: Oh, that's great.
1: Yes, you have a great, you're you're very active and very good at posting on Instagram. So I would highly recommend everyone follow Amanda. Yeah, and your website too.
2: People have got to go check it out. Um, It's gorgeous. It's really beautiful and um, very well organized, which I appreciate. I've been looking at my website lately and how to tweak and fix, and it's just an area that I do not focus on, and it's not where I'm comfortable. So when I get on someone's website, I'm like, oh, this is so beautiful. Look at how she did this. I love all the colors and the font. So it looks really, really great, nice work. I know that takes a lot of work.
0: Yeah, it's fun though. I like it. It's Part of my creative work is to get to do some of those things.
2: Yeah. Well, this is the part of the show, Amanda, where we, um, ask you about your toolbox. Um, your, um, I know you don't use the word sober, right?
0: I usually don't. I usually say Mm -hmm. alcohol free. I'm pretty, I try to keep with that semantic just because it makes more sense for me.
2: Well, this part of the show, we, we call it the sobriety, you know, the toolbox. So it's a, the unruffled toolbox. So it's anything that keeps you calm, not agitated in your creative life, in your work life, in your dating life, in your non-drinking life, like just three things that are kind of your go-to things. Um, we ask if you will share them with our listeners.
0: Yes. Well, we already know one is Movement. And for me right now, that looks like strength training most days, but it also is a walk around the lake or I love dancing. So I take a dance class every now and then. Um, Movement is just really important to me. And it also fuels my creative process. So number one, movement. Number two, though, is I was going to say writing. And while writing is always something that's very important to me, it's been um, something I've loved to do since I was a little kid. I think that the bigger expression of that is just words in general. And that looks like speaking, talking with others, teaching, um, reading or listening to podcasts and audiobooks, just interacting with the spoken and written word is really something that's grounding to me. And I do, like I said, I listen to podcasts in my shower. Like it's a, a really important tool to me. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the third is um, something I talked about in the um, the blog that Sandra mentioned is dating myself. And that doesn't mean, you know, just taking bubble baths and going to get mani Petties. That means taking a lot of time. You know, I realized I have this huge introvert side that I was silencing by being a social party girl but i need a lot of time to myself i need to think i need to reflect i need to sit with my emotions and my thoughts and feelings and i need to take myself out for coffee or breakfast and be comfortable sitting at the counter alone or going on a movie date by myself and those things were all very foreign to me before and they can be uncomfortable and vulnerable but they're such important exercises and really have been what have prepared me to be, hold faith for others and to get out there and date again and be a stronger partner for whomever I'm interacting with, be it romantic or not.
1: I love that. Plus it gives you something to talk about, right? I don't, I honestly
0: don't watch TV, so I don't like to sit and talk about, Oh, I watched this episode of whatever. I want to have these conversations that are just about what I really Really like to do that's about me, not about me absorbing something else.
1: Right, right. What lights you up? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> um, Amanda, there's one more thing I want you to promote, and I had just noticed it this morning, and it, I just remembered when you talked about words. Um, you're speaking right at the SANS Bar. Yeah, yeah, because I Will
0: air before that. So, sure. so. If you're in Austin, um, next Friday, I think it's the 7th. I am speaking with two other really great Austinites here, um, at Sands bar, which is the sober bar here in Austin. So I would love to see any friendly faces there too. Awesome. So that's April 7th, 2019 at what time? I believe at 7 PM. I just got pinged on this morning. Let me make sure. Yeah. PM actually. Um, and it's for five, the fifth, not the seventh. So I'm making okay. all these details up as I go. Okay, the fifth okay. <laughs> it is $15. Um, and it's stands bar. You can look them up on Instagram as well. Perfect.
1: Oh, good. Are you, are you going to go Sandra? I'm going to try to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, if I'm in town, I'll definitely go
2: lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on the show, Amanda. It was so nice thank to get you to, to meet me. you. Please come down to Austin soon. I well, you know. Sandra, we're going to work that out. Yeah, yes. we do. <laughs> we really do. All right. All
0: right. Have a great day, Amanda. Thank you, ladies. You as well. Okay. Bye-bye.
2: The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers,
1: Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.